All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, we're about halfway through the book of Daniel. We're going to pick up uh, where we left off last week. If you remember last week, we saw the end of Babylon. Belshazzar comes and sets up a party. There's writing on the wall, God telling him his kingdom is coming to an end and that it will be divided. And the chapter ends with Darius on the scene. And so we move into Daniel chapter 6, and it's one of those chapters that many people have heard. Daniel in the lion's den. But it has so many relevant applications for us today. And in it, we also see that Jesus is magnified. Because just as Daniel needed someone to rescue him, you and I are in desperate need of a deliverer, of someone to rescue us. And so this is what we're going to dig into today. We're going to look at devotion and dependence. All of us in the room are devoted to someone or something. Um, I went by, uh, asked uh, one of the students I'm working with at school, asked them, if you had to choose one thing or one person that you were devoted to, who or what would it be? And he was thinking and thinking. And he goes like, man, I've never had somebody ask me that question before. Right? And you usually don't. And then he said, probably baseball. Probably baseball. He was devoted to baseball out of everything in the world. His devotion, and I understand why he said that baseball season was coming up. They had to report pitchers and catchers um, to practice. And so it was obviously on his mind. But then I said, so you're telling me if you had to get rid of your friends and your family, you would pick baseball over them. Nah, nah, nah that's not what I meant. So who or what are you devoted to? And I think all of us are living lives. We're all devoted to something. I wonder if we realize how devoted we are to some things and how undevoted we are to others. And so today I want us to look at our faithfulness to God, to what he's called us to, to who he's called us to be. And then I want us to rest in the grace that is found in Christ and him going to the cross to rescue us. And so there's a lot to do this morning. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get to work. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you clear distractions from our minds and our hearts. Help us hear from you today. Help us understand uh, what you want us to know from the book of Daniel. And Father, I pray that you convict us of our sin of our need for a Savior. And I pray you help us encourage one another to walk with you the rest of our days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so Daniel chapter 6 starts out, we have a new king, and he's going to set up a new order. And, and so he sets the kingdom up with about 120 satraps, which are protectors of the kingdom, and then three presidents. So, so let's say this is the kingdom, right? This is the kingdom. We'll say over here, Ben, you are the protector of the kingdom in this group. All right. So if somebody gets out of line over here, you got to get them in line. Somebody's not paying taxes. You got to get their taxes and bring it in over here. Leader of the group, Chantez, you'll be the leader of this group. All right. If Tracy acts up, you got to get them back in line. Right. That's what is King's orders over here. We'll go. Brayon, you're the, the leader of this crew. All right. He rules with an iron fist. This is the best part of the kingdom because Brian's in control. Now, we need a president that the 
protectors of the kingdom, report to. All right, Jameer. Jameer is the president, El Presidente. And what happens is if something happens over here and the protector of the kingdom can't handle it, the president goes and says, hey, we're getting this thing in line. And so what happened was there were three presidents. One of those presidents was Daniel. All right. So Daniel's working and the king's noticing Daniel. And all of a sudden he's like, man, I don't need three presidents. I only need one. I'm going to put Daniel in charge of my whole kingdom because everything he touches goes good. Right. And so you see the spirit of God working in Daniel. Well, guess what happens? If Brayon's going to get all the power over here and he's doing well and everything he touches is successful, all of a sudden Jameer gets a little jealous. Right? Ben doesn't like that idea. Man, I'm pretty high up in the kingdom. I don't want him. I don't want to answer to him. I only want to answer to the king. And so what happens is Jameer and Ben, they get together and they say, hey, you know what? We're going to trip Brayon up. We're going to find something that he does and we're going to tell the king we're going to get rid of him. Right. And so Brayon is going about his business and Jameer's looking at his life day in and day out, day in and day out. And there's nothing there. That's what these leaders were doing to Daniel. Daniel wasn't cheating people out of their money. He wasn't taking bribes. He was an honest dude. There was no fault found in how he did his business. So they're like, man, we got to come up with another plan. So what Jameer and Ben finally come up with. They say, hey, you know what, how we can get him? We can get him by how he follows he's got his God. So Chantez like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm moving on up the food chain. He's going to fall. And so they set up this law. Hey, they go to the king and say, hey, King Darius, um, you need to set up a rule that all people for the next 30 days should pray only to you. Right? You're a new king. You need to establish your power and authority. You need to do this. And the king's like, ah, I don't know. Doesn't sound quite right. And then the leader's like, hey, we've all agreed. Right? They conspire together. Like, hey, we're getting rid of this Daniel guy. We're not answering to him. They all agree. And the king's like, all right, that's fine. We'll sign it into law. And what happens with the Medes and Persians? When the king signs a law, it's unrevocable. He says he sealed it with his order. He can't change his mind. He has to enforce that law. So for 30 days... You can only pray and petition the king, King Darius. And now, Shantez, Jameer, and Ben know they got Brayon because they know what Brayon does. He prays every day, three times a day. Morning, afternoon, night. And he's in a place where you can't close the blinds on the windows. And so they're like, ah, we got him. Now here's the crazy part. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, check this out. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed. There was one thing with this law. You know, it had, it's got some teeth. At school, you're not supposed to skip, right? And you get these notes, these hero notes for skipping, right? And it became where students would just start collecting these hero notes, right? These hero points. They were the hero chance, but there was no consequence for being late. Well, now there's some consequences, Right? We're passing detention slips. We're passing Friday school. So you get to come hang out with us for a few hours after school on Friday. There's suspensions. So now there's some teeth to that. Well, guess what the teeth to praying to anyone besides the king was? We're going to feed you to lions. Now, I don't know about you. I've never been around a lion. But I don't want to be thrown into a pit filled with hungry lions. 
And so Daniel knows this. And so when you see, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, that's what that means. Now, I don't want you to answer this. But if you had some guys snooping around in your life at your work, would they be able to come up with something that would get you in trouble? And then how long would it take for those same guys to see that the only way they would trip you up is in your devotion to your God? Do you see how challenging this chapter is? Daniel was faithful. He was who he was in public and in private. Same dude. So having known this document had been signed, what do you think he's going to do? Surely he's not dumb enough to do what he's been doing. Surely he's not going to, let's see. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. Now that's important, open toward Jerusalem. Why is that important? Because my man hasn't given up hope. Remember, he's taken into a foreign land. This isn't his home. He's in Babylon. And now there's another kingdom in place. But he still longs for the day when he can go back home to Jerusalem. So he's facing towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed. Now, now listen, this guy is in his 80s. In his age, he's doing the same thing. This is showing devotion. This is showing reverence to God. I'll never forget, we were in a, a class, a preaching class at, at school, and we had this guy come in. Um, Reverend Coleman was his name. He, he writes a, a book about um, how to be evangelistic. And I always thought, I'd like to know how he's effective in evangelism. How, how is he so effective in raising up these leaders? Right. And he said, it's simple. You do what Jesus did. You, you spend a lot of time with a, a group of people and you show them how to walk with Jesus day in and day out. Right. But then I also saw another key to his power. Every class, you obviously start with prayer. But after that, you usually finish class and you leave. He goes, all right, guys, for the next five minutes, we're going to pray. And then he gets to the uh, to his desk and he starts to go down. And I thought I thought he was having trouble. He goes, guys, don't worry about me. I'm going to get there. And sure enough, he got all the way down to his knees. And I thought, well, now what is he? Is he tying his shoe? And then he gets down on his knees and he gets all the way down to where he's on the ground. This guy's in his 80s. He's having a hard time walking. He goes, hey, for, for every class I teach, when I teach, this is how I pray. And I thought, man, here is a guy who knows about devotion. And now I think you see the key part here in the last part of the verse. He gave things before his God as he had done previously. He's not doing a new thing. This is what he does day in and day out, whether it's popular or not, whether it's convenient or costly. This is what Daniel does. All right, so the guys come and they see him. So Shantez, Jameer, Ben, they get over here, they see Brayon. Oh, he's slacking. Got him, right? He's praying to God. We're going to take him before the king. They, they go to the king. Hey, king, did you sign that document? Yes, I've signed that document. You know it can't be changed. And they start having a ball. Hey, 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 we got to tell you about your boy. Your boy, Daniel. Man, he's been praying to God. And, you know, it wasn't just once. It was three times today. And, and he knows it's been signed. So he's not following you, King. He doesn't care about your authority. Right? They're conspiring against Daniel. So the king says that he was starting to get stressed. Right? Because he knew how valuable Daniel was to his kingdom. 
He's like, ah, oh, I got to get him out of this. I got to get him out of this. And it says they spent all day trying to figure out a way to deliver Daniel. Right? So we're trying to figure out a way. How can Brayon get out of this? No, I wasn't really praying to God. I, no, that doesn't work. I, maybe we can change this law. Maybe it's not lions. Maybe it's just uh, kittens. Ah, no, we can't change that. Ah, how do we do? Can't do it. And then the conspirators come back at night and say, hey, sun's starting to set. You going to do what the law says or not? And now the king's stuck, right? Because if he doesn't, he's in trouble. So they come, they, they grab Brayon and they throw him to lions. How long do you think Brayon could survive in a pit of lions? I don't want to find out. Brayon doesn't want to find out, right? It doesn't go well. And so the king is like, ah, Daniel, the God whom you serve continually, may he deliver you, right? And so it's almost like this king's calling out to Daniel's God to save him. And they throw him in. They put a huge stone over the entrance to this den, and the king seals it, and nothing's going to change. King goes back home, but he can't sleep. He can't eat. He's panicking over his guy, Daniel. He knew he signed a dumb law. He knew he had been fooled, knew he had been tricked, and now he's stuck. It's never a good thing to wipe out the best person in your kingdom because you were tricked. So early the next morning, the sun starts to rise. Boom! He's sprinting to the lion's den. They move the stone and the king cries out. Daniel, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you? Now, I don't know about you, but if you and I are going to that same pit that Brown was thrown in the night before, I'm not expecting him to respond. And yet Daniel says, you know it. You know it. There was an angel here. Shut the mouths of lions. I'm good. Can you get me out of this? Lower down rope, dig him out. And then it's awesome to hear Darius's response. Darius's response is found later on in chapter 26. He says, for he is the living God, the God of Daniel. Because only a living God can rescue. A dead God is no God at all. For Daniel's God, he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. Now, I want you to keep in mind what he just said there. An enduring God, enduring forever, never destroyed, and He delivers and rescues. That's very, very important because you and I need a living God who endures forever to rescue you and me. He works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. I love it. Daniel goes, hey, of course the lions didn't bother me. Why? Because I trusted in my God. It's an awesome thing to see that the God he trusted in is the God who comes through. And that's very, very important. Sometimes we put trust in things and they never, ever deliver. Right? If you ever do the infomercials, right? You see something online. You see this commercial. Oh, this is awesome. This thing can cut through metal. Surely it can get through a potato. And then you get this thing. You go to cut the potato and the knife breaks. Right? You see all of these things, but rarely do they deliver. I can promise you this. When you put your trust in God, He will deliver. Even the grave can hold you because your God can rescue. And then we see how this ends. So this Daniel, verse 28, prospered during the reign of Darius, the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So what is the point of this account? Now listen, this is a real story. This is real history. 
Daniel in his 80s. Why do we need to know this? Number one, we need to answer the question, who are we devoted to? Are you devoted to God? Are you devoted to God? And then I think there's, there's three things that go with this. When you look at your devotion, uh, the, the first thing that we need to answer when we're looking at devotion is, are we devoted in the small things? Because small obedience leads to big obedience. Right. I was listening to a coach, uh, the girls coach from Nebraska, and she was bringing up this example. How everybody wants to shoot like Steph Curry, but nobody wants to work on their shooting ability like Steph Curry. Right. And this is the thing. And what happens is, yeah, I'll be faithful to my spouse, but I'm not faithful to my spouse in my small decisions. Right. I'm not faithfully serving in the home, but I'll be faithful on down the road um, and I won't do this and that. But will we be faithful in the small decisions? Because little obediences lead to big obedience. I'll use uh, uh, just a, a simple example. He's not in here. I don't think he'll mind me talking about him. Sean Sullivan, little obedience led to a big obedience. So Sean has been lifting weights for how long, Mark? Since ninth grade, right? He just, he's getting ready to uh, graduate from uh, Mount St. Joe, College Mount St. Joe. Um, but my man is huge, right? And so you see all of this muscle, you see his body transformed, but it didn't happen one day at a time. Like he, he didn't just say, hey, you know what? Uh, on Fridays, I'm going to be big. Um, it, no, what happened, how he got big was he lifted on Monday and Tuesday and Thursdays in high school. And then he came in on off days and lifted. And, and I'll put it to you this way. This is, uh, I knew he was strong, um, but a couple of weeks ago we were playing basketball. And listen, I'm a large dude. I usually don't go flying through the air, um, but I go up for a rebound. And next thing I know, I'm flat on the basketball court. And then I look back, I'm like, who in the world just laid me out? And then you got Sully. Oh, my bad, coach, my bad. He goes to help me up. My man put me down. He didn't get strong overnight. It's a lot of small steps. You want to be faithful to God? Are you faithful to him in the small things? And, and you know your devotion is revealed by your choices. Your devotion is always revealed by your choices. So many people say so many things. And I imagine if I surveyed the crew, are you devoted to Christ? I would say the majority of us would say absolutely. But talk doesn't reveal your devotion. Your choices do. We have a couple of guys that think they're really fast. One guy says he runs a 4.340. Talk is not how you show your devotion. We want to see it. So your small choices, I'll use this example. In the morning, when you wake up, you have so many choices to make when you wake up. Are you going to hit the snooze button? Right? Get 10 more minutes of rest. What does that reveal about your devotion? Right? I'm devoted to get more rest. I need sleep. I'm devoted to myself. Right? And I'm not saying rest is bad. Sometimes you need to hit the snooze button and get rest. When you wake up in the morning, some of us are fixated on what we wear. What clothes are I... What, what oh, my hair, what do I want to do? Do I, do I go straight? Do I, do I put it in curls? For me, I have no problem with choices of hair. I also don't have any problem with what I wear, right? I've given up on how I look a long time ago. But some of us are consumed with self-image. And so we're devoted on what others think of us by how we look and dress and uh, wear. 
Or you can wake up and you know what, uh, man, I've got to get my coffee. I got to wake up. I got to get a good breakfast and we're devoted to getting fueled up for the day. And I'm not saying any of those are bad, but there's a small choice that you can make every day that'll help with you completing that day being devoted to Christ. If you start and finish your day with Jesus, it's going to help you walk with him through the day. And it doesn't have to be a lot. If you have an app on your phone, you can get a verse a day. You can do a chapter in the Bible a day. You could try to memorize a verse for a week or a month or a year, however long it takes. But if you can start getting your mind on Jesus, hearing from him in his word, and then through prayer, communicating to him, it will help with your devotion the rest of the day. And that's just a small choice. Small obedience leads to big obedience. You want to know why Daniel was able to keep praying, even though there was a law that would throw him into the lion's den? Lion's den? Uh, because this is what he'd been doing all along. You remember when we first met Daniel? Teenager, in front of the king, and he resolved to follow the law of his God, not the law of the land. He's like, I'm not eating that junk. I'm not eating that junk. It's, it's not what God wants us to eat. I'm not eating it. I'm not drinking your wine. And he resolved to follow God. That's a small choice. Small choice. Small obedience leads to big obedience. But then we also see what is private overflows into what is public. Daniel at work was the same Daniel at home. That's why these guys couldn't find anything on him. Right? Your search history is private, but it will become who you are in public. Are you devoted to Christ at home? And sometimes we like to compartmentalize our lives. And so we'll come to church and we'll worship Jesus, but then on Monday we forget about God. And it was interesting. We had a, a meeting. This has been a couple years ago. Uh, this mother, his, her son got in trouble at school and I got in trouble for, for cussing at a teacher. And we all had to sit down and, and I was the, the buffer in the room because I knew the student, knew the mom and knew the teacher. I'm like, oh, these are, this is, it's called mediation, right? And it's always painful. Right. Because you're trying to work out between two parties and everybody has their side of the story. And, and we're sitting down and then the mom goes, and you know better than this. You went to church on Sunday. Coach Brown, did, when he at your church Sunday, do you guys teach this type of behavior? I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, we don't. Yes, yes. But she understood one thing. She understood who you are on Sunday morning should change who you are on Wednesday at school. And so what is private becomes public. Daniel was a man of faith at home, at work. Are you a person of faith at home, at work, in school, sports, any type of hobby on social media? Are you a person devoted to God? What is private will become public. And then lastly, devotion is revealed not when it's comfortable, but when it's costly. Devotion is revealed not when it's comfortable, but when it's costly. It's not hard to come to church in the United States. And it's really not hard to come here. You have to wake up by 11. Right? You can show up here at 11.07 to 11.11 and we'll still consider it on time. It's not hard to be here. These seats, these seats are even more comfortable than the metal folding chairs. Like, like this is legit. There's some cushion in that. Right? Do, do you feel that? It's about 70. It's easy to come to church. This is, but I wonder if there was a law. Hey, show up at Redemption Church next Sunday. 
and we're going to feed you to the lions. I wonder how many people we'd have here. I wonder how many people we'd have here. Right? And devotion is always that way. It's easy to be devoted when things are good. It's never revealed when it's comfortable. It's always revealed when it's costly. So, ask yourself, are you devoted to Christ? And, and it's interesting, when we talk about this devotion, I want us to be careful. Because some guys will read this, say, oh, I should be praying three times, I need to be doing this. There, there's also this aspect of grace. Right? So here's the standard. Right? You're not going to know all the laws of God. There's tons of them. Jesus does an awesome job summing them up in two commands. Right? So, so guys are asking, hey, what's the most important law? Right? Because in his day, there was 200 and something. And even those had laws to it. And it was crazy for them to keep track of what did they need to be doing. And so Jesus is like, hey, there's two commands that you need to do. The first and the greatest is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? If you love God with everything you got, and then he goes, love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're doing it. You have gotten all of the law down. Those two. Because everything else is summed up with those two. Now here's the problem. This is where our rescuer comes into play. None of us meet that standard. None of us, if your life was up on the screen 24-7, we would see times when you do not love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you don't love your neighbor like you love yourself. And so what happens because we don't meet that standard is we've earned something. And the Bible teaches us that we've earned separation from God, which leads to death and eternally being separated from God. And his wrath is still on us. Now, listen, lions are scary, but they're nothing compared to standing before the almighty God who created those lions and facing his judgment and wrath. That is terrifying. And so we need a rescuer. Someone who will deliver. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Do you see the similarities here in Daniel? Daniel's pointing to Jesus. The leaders of Daniel's day conspire against Daniel. The leaders of Jesus' day conspire against him. There was no fault found in Daniel. There was no fault found in Jesus. Daniel was thrown into a pit. Jesus was buried in a tomb. Daniel's den was covered with a stone. Jesus' tomb was covered with a stone. Early the next morning, Daniel gets out of the pit. Three days later, early in the morning, the tomb is empty. Jesus is not in the grave. And yet we see Jesus is infinitely greater than Daniel. Daniel's not around anymore. He's dead, his bones are buried, but he still has hope because Jesus is alive and lives forever and intercedes for those who call on him. So I want to encourage you with this. Who are you depending on for salvation? You see, the, the, the scary part is I think some of us don't think we are in a desperate situation. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Balin. Balin's in fourth grade. She loves going to Petland. Right? You walk into Petland, and listen, we don't own a dog. This is the closest thing we get to dog ownership. And so I appreciate Petland. Right? I'm a dog person. I love it. We're just not home. I can't let them out. And so I don't think it's fair to the dog. So Petland's our, our thing. And so they go there, and all these dogs are back behind these windows. And mom lets them pick out one dog, and they get to play with the dog for about a half hour. Right? So you get the dog out, and he's got these playrooms. And sure enough, all sorts of, of puppies. And they're like, oh, Dad, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? 
No, but you can play with it for a while. No, but you can. And then she said, hey, Dad, wouldn't it be cool if they had a lion at Petland? <laughs> I go, I go, Balin, that lion would eat you. She said, oh, but Dad, you could train it. You could train it, it'd be all right. And I'm like, Balin, that lion is an apex predator. And his friends are just as bad. You do not want a lion for a pet. But I think some of us see our condition the way Balin sees a lion. It's not that big a deal. I'm okay. Nothing bad has happened to me yet. My prayer for you and for me is to remember our situation apart from Christ. It's worse than Daniel when he was like right here being tossed to the lions. And our condition is eternal unless God does something for us. That's why the cross is so glorious. That's why we worship Jesus. We mean it that he's our rescuer. And here's the awesome news. You can be rescued too. The same God that rescued Daniel is the same God that rescued me out of my sin and has saved me forever so that when I'm dead and buried or Jesus returns, either way, the grave's not holding me either. And the same can be true of you. Will you call on God to save you? Will you trust Jesus to save you from your sin? And then I want to go back to devotion and I'll, I'll close with this one. I was watching a documentary. Um, I was talking, Ben, about it. Free Solo. Um, Alex Honnold is this guy's name. And he said in 2009, he started thinking about climbing this mountain called El Capitan, right? Now listen, I like the idea of rock climbing. Um, I'm not very good at it. Uh, I get up a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous of heights. I weigh a little bit too much. I pull rocks off. Um, so this guy has this idea that he's going to free solo. That means you're climbing this mountain with no ropes or gear or safety harness. You got your hands, your feet, and some chalk, right? And you can see at this height, if you fall, it's not going to end well. And so in 2007, he got the idea, you know what, I'm going to start training for this. I'm going to start doing this. Um, I started working, and each section is called a pitch. And he said there was this one pitch called the boulder problem. There's 17 moves on the boulder problem. The problem with it is you have to cover a ground basically like from here to this wall. And there's nothing to grab. And he goes, you got a couple of options. You can, and he's just talking like it's just a matter of fact. Like, he's like, you can jump. He's like, but I don't really like the idea of my life hanging on one jump. My man's climbing with no ropes and no safety. But man, jumping, oh, bad. And so he's like, there's this move that you can do. It's called a karate kick. And what happens is he'd pick his leg up, karate kick, and land it right here. But when he's practicing that with the safety harness and the ropes on, he goes to kick and this foot slides off. You want to know why? Because it's dangerous. And he goes through it. He's writing this down in his journal. He goes up there for a day. That's all he practices. Boom. This pitch. Boom. Gets there. Gets it. Gets it. Gets it. From 2009 to 2017, my man spends day after day on this rock. He has this wall memorized. He has each move memorized. Uh, so let's go ahead and show him the van. So this is what he lives in. Like, he's super devoted to rock climbing. He has a, a climbing bar right here 
where he just pulls himself up, works on grip strength. He says he has to live in a van because it's easier to get from one climbing spot to the other and it's cheaper. And, and so this is what he's decided, how he's going to live his life. His girlfriend is allowed to come, but only when he's climbing with ropes and safety harnesses. When he gets ready to free solo, she's got to go. He changed his diet. He said his weakness was dessert. Right. So he's a vegetarian already. He goes, man, but I can't even eat dessert anymore. He goes, I'd hate to be on the cliff and think, man, if I didn't eat those biscuits, it'd be a little easier right now. Right. So my man is dedicated. Then in 2016, he climbs up and almost falls and gets nervous. Says, I'm done. Can't do it this year. Then the next year, he says, I'm going for it. And sure enough, he climbs up El Capitan with no ropes, no safety harnesses, just himself. I mean, look at this. That's crazy, isn't it? So, yeah, I am not trying to. I want to go rock climbing, but I do not want to do that. But I, I thought this is the quote I want to leave you with. If I had to choose one lesson to take from, this is Alex speaking of him climbing, I would choose preparation and putting in the work. Don't be stopped by something that seems impossible, he said. The thing about El Cap is that I dreamed about it for many years, but I didn't know if it was possible. As for the next dream, Alex is stumped. Honestly, I don't know if there is anything in the world that is as inspiring. I'm not sure anything else will grab me the same way. This is what I want you to hear. That's pretty impressive. That's a huge challenge, right? That's nothing. That's nothing. All inspiring. Nothing compared to being devoted to Christ. You want something that will change your life forever. Follow Jesus. You have no idea what he'll do in you, through you, where he'll call you to go, what he'll call you to do. But I promise you this. Just as Daniel had the hand of God on him, God does the same thing for you and for me. Be devoted to Jesus. And I was challenged by how he was devoted to a rock climbing event. And there's no way I want somebody that's going to be more devoted to a rock than I am to my God. And so my challenge for you for 2020 is to make the small choices, do what you do in private, even if it becomes costly, be devoted to following Jesus and watch the adventure he takes you on. You will do things that only God gets the credit for because you were created for his glory and it will be for your good. Depend on him for salvation. That's where it starts. If you haven't done that, make that decision today. That's why I'm here. That's why a lot of us are here. We want to have that conversation with you. Don't leave today without having that conversation. And then let us work together to be devoted in following Jesus. Let's push each other forward. Let's see what God has in store for us. That is all inspiring. That the God who created us comes to earth to die for us, rescue us, and called us on mission. That's something to be devoted to. That's someone to be devoted to. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for being a God who endures forever, a God who rescues and delivers. And Father, there's a lot of people in the room. And Lord, there's a lot of things going on in their lives that they need to be delivered from.
It might be lust. It might be greed. It might be depression. It might be drugs. It might be popularity and everything else in between. But God, you are a God who delivers. And you are a God of the impossible. And so we pray for you to deliver us today. Save us from our sin. And then, Father, I pray for the grace to walk with you day in and day out. And I pray for us in the room to challenge each other to walk with you daily. Don't let us waste the moments we have with each other, but help us push each other towards you. You're an awesome God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.